Happy Easter. Good morning. Good morning, Impact City. It's so good to see you, and it is truly my privilege to welcome you to Easter Sunday at Impact City. I'm going to invite you to take your seats for just a few moments as we jump in the Word. I'm truly grateful for the opportunity to be able to worship alongside you today. And we're going to jump right in. I want to speak over the subject, resurrecting hope, resurrecting hope. Today we are filled with a renewed hope, regardless of where you find yourself in life, because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It allows us to shift into a perspective to know that we serve a God that is truly almighty. It allows us to see that we serve a God that knows no obstacles, that knows no barriers, and that knows no limitations. The empty tomb signifies and it equals full of hope. The empty tomb is full of hope for those who believe today. So when you look at the resurrection story and the days that preceded it, we have to understand the context and we under, and if you've been in church a while, you've heard the story, but we, we have to see it from the perspective that the days following Jesus' crucifixion, it must have been some of the darkest days, it must have been some of the darkest moments that his followers did indeed face. They had all placed their hope in him. They had all placed their confidence in who he was and the promise of the Messiah. And now he was dead. Now he was dead. So it seems to be that there is a disconnect. And it seems to be that there is some confusion. Maybe there, there is some discouragement that they're facing, no doubt. They believe that he truly was the Messiah. And that through his life, he would change the world. And it was not until a woman that we know that walks into the story named Mary Magdalene went to visit the tomb. And it was in that instant that hope is restored. The tomb was empty. Hallelujah. And Jesus had risen. But I want to visit this incredible story this incredible event and the implications or, or the realities or what that means for us here today. All Mary wanted to do in that moment was to hold on to her Savior. Once she discovered the good news, however, Jesus was not done. Jesus was not done. And when we look at Easter, Easter is the reminder that because Jesus is alive, we have hope because he is alive. We have hope. But before Easter was a celebration of life, I would invite you to look at it through the perspective of his followers that experienced the trauma, that experienced the loss, that experienced the hopelessness on Friday evening, on Saturday, and then on Sunday morning. It was a time of mourning for Jesus' death. And it would have only been a few days before that we would have seen the disciples who watched 
this, their leader who would have watched their friend, the one they believed to be the Christ, be crucified on a Roman cross. They had placed all their hopes, they had placed their dreams in the coming kingdom that Jesus was going to bring into the world. But on that Friday, on that Friday that we know as the Passover Friday, those hopes and all those dreams were crushed as Jesus was brought down from the cross lifeless and laid inside that tomb. It was the finality, it was the end of Jesus' death that would have been the final blow. If everything leading up to that moment weren't enough, it was the fact that they brought him down, they put him in the tomb. Can you imagine the despair? Could you imagine the sadness that they felt? All of that hope seemed to diminish and it seemed to disappear. In that instance, hope for a, a world where God would finally rule, where he would finally be, reign, where he would free them from the sin that had entered and that had corrupted everything. And if we're honest this morning, if we're honest this morning, unrealized hope may be one of the most painful things that we have experienced in life. And you experience it on a different scale and you experience it on different levels, but sometimes Disappointments come from the, the small things that are rather insignificant, but sometimes they're life-altering. Sometimes they stop us in our tracks. Disappointment looks different, and every single one of us have been th down that road, regardless of where you are. If you have ever found yourself, if you've ever found yourself in a hopeless situation, maybe you can relate to how the disciples felt that Friday and that Saturday. Maybe you can relate to how they felt that, that Easter morning when they woke up that Sunday morning and Jesus was not there for the first time. It wasn't what you and I feel every Easter. It wasn't what you and I get to experience coming into this place to know that he is risen and to know that he is alive and to know that we have the, the opportunity and that, to be able to have a true relationship with him. It wasn't that. They felt the loss, they felt the emptiness, and after three days of deep sorrow, they were in need of a resurrected hope. They were in need of Jesus once again. So looking at it through this, we've all been through disappointments, we've all survived disappointments, and the truth is that we all need renewed hope. We all need renewed hope. Some of us came here today in hopes of that. And if we're going to be completely transparent, we can be honest and say life has not been easy. Some of us have faced incredible challenges. Some of us have faced great challenges. Perhaps you've faced a devastating year. Maybe your closest relationships in this life have suffered recently. Some of us maybe have had to come, have had to, come to terms with a diagnosis that leaves the future indeed uncertain. And all of this with the backdrop of a pandemic that continues to threaten many parts of our lives here today. These things that we go through, these things that we experience can be so heavy that we may even question at times, does God still care? Does God still care? But the gospels exist to tell us that right in the middle of the darkest hour, Right in the middle of when it seemed like it couldn't get any worse, we understand that hope shines through.
And I believe that that's the truth for your story here today. I come believing and declaring that today that I believe that maybe you are in a hopeless situation. But I want to tell you that the same God that shines through in Scripture is the same God that is alive in 2022. I want to tell you that just as they felt in their moment of despair, God can show up in a moment in your life and change everything and turn everything around. Hope shines through. Early in the morning, I'm so glad uh, that the story didn't end in despair and the story didn't end in sorrow. And I want to tell you, your story doesn't end in despair. Your story doesn't end in sorrow. Early in the morning on the third day after Jesus's death, this woman named Mary Magdalene, she makes her way in and, and hurries to the tomb. Other places in scripture let us know that she came to anoint his body for burial. But when she arrives, but when she arrives, she finds the tomb is empty. She finds the tomb is empty. What must have been adding insult to the injury that she was already experiencing. Mary concludes that someone must have come. Someone must have taken Jesus's body. Someone must have taken it away. And she is devastated. She is devastated. John tells it this way in uh, chapter 20, verse 11 through 14. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying as she wept. She bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and then the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus. She saw Jesus standing there. But notice what it says, but she did, she did not realize that it was him. She did not realize that it was Jesus. So as Mary looks into the tomb where she is expecting to see Jesus, where he had been laid, all she sees is what is now missing. All she sees is what was once there. All she sees is what is missing, and she fails to see what is there. Her perspective is solely at looking inside the tomb that she does not realize that Jesus is right there beside her. Can I ask the question, how many times in life have we focused on what is missing that we fail to see what is truly there? How many times have we been so focused and, and, tunnel, and have tunnel vision and looking at something from only one perspective that we miss what is truly there? Wherever you find yourself, can I remind you that God is there. Wherever you find yourself this moment, I want to tell you, God is there. It may be a dark moment. It may be a tough season in your life, but I'm grateful that the Bible reminds us that weeping does endure for a night. But I'm glad that joy, I said joy, comes in the morning. You may be facing an uphill battle. You may be facing a challenge you've never faced before. But I want to remind you that you can stand still and see the victory that the Lord will bring to you. That he is a God that still fights our battles. Mary is so focused on the fact that Jesus' body is not where it should be. 
that she misses the two angelic beings uh, who are seated where Jesus was. Through her tears, she tells the angels this, that she is heartbroken because she came looking for Jesus. And not only is he dead, uh, but now he has disappeared. And this is what can happen in our life when we lose hope. And this is what can happen, and maybe that's your story's narrative this morning. When our dreams are shattered and our future becomes unclear, it becomes too easy to fixate on what has not happened. It can become too easy to look at what has not happened, what we don't have, what they didn't do, and what is missing. After Mary speaks to the angel, she turns to leave and now comes face to face with the resurrected Jesus. I'm glad he shows up just on time. But listen to what verse 14 says. She did not realize that it was Jesus. Resurrection hope was standing right in front of her. And she was unable to see it because of the fog of the despair, because of everything that she had been through in her life, that she was unable to see that Jesus was standing right in front of her. After all, Mary had not come to to see Jesus alive. She was expecting him to, to, to be dead. She was expecting to find his lifeless body. And I'm grateful this morning that Easter is a reminder that God is in the business of awakening hope within us. I'm grateful for the Easter story because it reminds us that in our sadness and in our despair, Jesus shows up. I'm grateful that in my toughest moments, Jesus shows up. I'm grateful that when the doctor says, I don't know what's going on with you, Jesus shows up. I'm grateful for a God that loves me enough that says, I'll show up. It doesn't matter if everyone else walks out, I'll come in. I'm grateful for a God uh, that reminds us through this story while Mary is crying and worried and weeping, uh, Jesus says, I am here. Uh, I'm grateful that today the story is the same, that whatever you're facing, uh, we serve a God that says, I am here. Uh, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'll be with you all the days. Uh, I'm grateful for a God that sees me in my ups, uh, but I'm also grateful for a God that sees me in my low moments uh, and he loves me the same. Hallelujah. It is a reminder that God is in the business of awakening hope within us. And it could look different for you. It could look different for you. But it can also be missed if we aren't careful. It could be missed if we're not careful because it could come. Hope could come through a quiet moment. Hope to come through a small answered prayer. It could be found in taking time to be grateful for what we do have rather than be frustrated for what we don't have. The key is our expectation level. And I want to remind you that our expectation needs to be grounded on him and his ability and his strength and what he can do. I'm grateful for hope. That comes just at the right time. It is Jesus' compassion we understand through this story that caused him to willingly 
give up his life. But he didn't stay in the grave. And as he meets Mary in this situation, in the doorway of what is now an empty tomb, Jesus, his immediate concern is what's going on in Mary's life. I'm grateful the Bible reminds us that we can cast our cares on him because he cares for us. He does care. He does care. His concern is for the tears that are streaming down Mary's face this Sunday morning. John 20, 15 through 18 says this. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it that you're looking for? And notice what John includes, thinking he was the gardener. She said, sir, if you have carried him away, please tell me where you have put him and I will go get him. Can you see the desperation that's taking place in her life? Jesus said to her, Mary, she turned around, recognized his voice and cried out Aramic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, do not hold on to me for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them that I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news and she says this, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had seen these things to her. They had said these things to her. Can you just look at how the script is flipping? This woman that once had desperation, this woman that once had frustration, this woman that once is experiencing loss, all of a sudden she cries out to him and now her story changes because her perspective has changed. She's able to realize who is in the story with her. She is able to realize, hey, hey, there is hope because Jesus is alive. Just as Mary in this situation had given up all hope, Jesus meets her in her tears and says, why are you crying? He asks. John, the author of the book, tells us that Mary thinks that Jesus is the gardener tending to the grounds that are around in that in those tombs. And I believe that this information is included with design and on purpose because it's not just that Mary is confused and mistaken even though she is, but it is also because she is absolutely correct. Jesus is tending to the broken pieces, to the broken places of life. He is in fact repairing the brokenness that began in the Garden of Eden. The Bible tells us that in the beginning that when God God created a garden of perfection for his creation, Adam and Eve, to reside in. And he had a perfect relationship with them. And they experienced life to the full. No worry, no worry, no concern because, Jesus, because God had provided for them. But the woman and the man, we understand that God created, they disobeyed him. They hated the fruit from a tree that they were forbidden to eat from. And instantly, we understand that sin and death are introduced to the world and everything was broken. Genesis 3, 8 and 10 says this, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God 
as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called to man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid. I love this story because God comes searching for his creation. God comes looking but could not find them because of their shame. They were naked so they hid. And so when I look at the story of Easter, it is about a God who re-enters the garden to search for those that he loves. That's right, he came looking for you this morning and to offer them life once again. As soon as Jesus speaks Mary's name, she recognizes him and she calls him teacher in the middle of the darkest moment. I'm so grateful that hope walked in. I'm grateful that God is always right on time, that the story of the redemption that we know and that we understand that begins in Genesis with God coming to man. It's the story of redemption in the New Testament with Jesus coming to us. You can feel the shift in the tone of the story as this takes place, as Mary recognizes that Jesus is alive, her hope is resurrected. She comes back to life. The dream of restoration and healing is once again a possibility because who is standing beside her? I wonder what would happen this morning. I wonder what would happen this Easter morning that if today you were able to see Jesus in your life. I wonder what would happen if you were able to see Jesus in your circumstance and in your situation. Easter is when we look at the creator face to face and hear him call us by name and we understand understand that hope can come alive again because Jesus is alive. Because he's alive. You see, what Mary discovered early at that tomb was that the thing that she believed to be the most final was not the end, but it was only the beginning. She realized on that day that it was just the beginning. Jesus rising from the dead meant that sin and its ultimate outcome, which we know as death, could not overcome Jesus. Could not overcome Jesus, but that he held all power and that he held all authority over it. Death did not have the last word and the final say, Jesus did. That is what we are reminded, that even though death had terrorized, that death had raged, that death had roared, it doesn't respect, we understand gender, ethnicity, death doesn't respect age or financial status. For years, the cycle always was this, that man was born, he lived, and he died. Great people like Abraham, the father of faith, like Noah who built the ark when, it, when there hadn't been any rain for Joseph who stayed, stayed the course even though when he could have given up. Great people like Moses who failed God but then God picked him up and used him to be the deliverer. Great people like Joshua who took the torch after Moses was called up to glory. Isaiah was the eagle eye prophet but yet he died. 
died, Habakkuk was able to speak profound truths to the people of God, but yet he died. John was the beloved, but yet he still died. But death had never faced Jesus. Death never faced Jesus until that Friday. Death wrapped its arms around him and fought him through Jerusalem, up the cross, and down to the grave. And can I tell you that death thought in that moment and on that day that it had done to Jesus, just like it had done to everyone else. But I'm glad the story doesn't end there. I'm grateful that even though death could celebrate for just a little bit, Sunday morning rolled around. I'm grateful for Sunday morning. I'm grateful for Sunday morning. I'm glad I know how the story ends. Jesus is alive. The the tomb was rolled away. And on that day, God shook the cemetery and did what no one had before. On that day, he conquered death for us. And the powerful revelation that comes with this truth is this. As I draw to a close, that if Jesus can overcome death, think of that. If he can overcome death, there is nothing in our lives that he cannot defeat. If Jesus could overcome death, there is nothing that you're facing that is too great for him. And the story of Easter reminds us that hope is alive because Jesus is alive. There is nothing that you're facing. There's nothing that's going on on the inside or on the outside that is too impossible, that is too difficult for God. He has all power and all might. Earlier in the book of John, when when Jesus' friend Lazarus died, he stands before the hopeless family. And he said, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. Jesus said to his followers then, and he says to us now, that he is the resurrection and that he is the life. Worship team, will you join me? Jesus is the hope of life eternal. Jesus is the hope of life eternal, that regardless of the number of years we live on this life, because of the sacrifice of Jesus, we can spend eternity with him. He is the hope of life eternal. But I also want to tell you that Jesus is the key to true life right now. He is the key to abundant life right now. It's our belief. It's not just an intellectual exercise. It's not just something that we tell ourselves to make ourselves feel better, but it is a deep trust in him that ensures us that regardless of what happens to us on this life, regardless, that will not be the last thing that happens to us because we have a hope, hallelujah, that is resurrecting all around us for a full life in Jesus right now and forever in him. And so this Easter day, I want to invite you to believe in the power 
of the resurrected Christ that is available to you. I want to invite you to believe that he can work the impossible in your lives. That him overcoming death, it guarantees, it, it provides a way for us to have eternal life. He paid our sins. That is the purpose of why he endured the cross. The Bible puts it this way that for the passion put before him, for the love before him, for the joy put before him, he endured the cross. He did it for you and for, for me. But it is also to remind us that he can work in the most difficult situations. 1 Corinthians 15, Paul reminds us this. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. But this gospel, by this gospel you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance that Christ died for our sins, according to scriptures, so that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day. Jesus died. He was buried. And he was raised. Raised in the original Greek text is not past tense. No, it's the present progressive tense, which means rising. He is rising. So I've come to remind somebody this Sunday morning as I close that feels hopeless. I've come to tell somebody today who seems like what is in front of you is way too much. You feel like you can't make it. You feel like you can't go on. I came to remind you this Sunday morning that he is still rising. He is still rising. He is rising in mercy. He is rising in grace. He is rising in favor. He is rising in power. He is rising in forgiveness. When Christ rose, so did our hope. When Christ rose, so did our joy. When Christ rose, so did our new life. Because he rose, you can rise. Because he got up, you can get up. You can get up from the hurt. You can get up from the pain. You can get up from the failure, from the loneliness, from the disappointment. Because he got up, you can get up also. You can get up. It doesn't matter what's knocked you down. It doesn't matter what's come against you. We serve a God that can do anything and you can get up. I've come to encourage you with his word that he is still alive and he is still on the throne and he still has all power. I want to invite you to stand. He has all power. And there is nothing that you're facing today that he does not have dominion and control over. Father, in this moment, in this moment, we are grateful. We're grateful that you died for us. We're grateful for the sacrifice that we could not do on our own. We're grateful for your love 
that kept you on that cross. We know it wasn't the nails. We know it was your love for us. We know that you love us unconditionally. And God, right now, I just ask that you would reveal yourself, that you would show yourself strong, that you would do an incredible work in every heart, in every mind, in every life. God, you know the trouble that we're facing. You know the challenges that are in front of us, God. You know the situations and the, and the circumstances. You know everything, God, and right now we surrender it to you. We bring it to your feet, God, and we just thank you for being a God who can do everything. We thank you for being a God who can do anything. We thank you for being a God whose resurrection power is still here, is still available to us. We thank you in this moment with every head bowed and every eye closed. Some of you in this place may need to receive the forgiveness of God. You're carrying your shame. You're carrying guilt. You're carrying your pain. You feel it. You've tried to medicate your pain, but it hasn't been able to fill the void inside of you. I want to tell you today that the Lord has his arms open wide saying, I'm here. I'll take it from you. I'll take it. I'm happy to take it from you right now if you'll give it to me. If that is you in this place with every head bowed, every eye closed, I'll just invite you to raise your hand and you say, today I want to give my life to Jesus. I'm tired of trying to do things my own way. I'm frustrated. I'm hurt. I'm in a depression, I'm always anxious. Today is the day that I cast my cares on him. If that is you, just raise your hand right where you're at. Why don't you say this prayer? Everyone pray with me, Lord forgive me. Come into my life, change me. I surrender my life completely to you. Thank you for setting me free. I believe you're the son of God. Be the Lord of my life. Let me live the life you died to give me. In your name I pray, amen. Can we give God praise for everybody that received him this morning?